Well, as I mentioned, we're uh, continuing our series today on the spiritual practice of the, of the faith. Each week we've been looking at a different practice with the hope that it helps us connect deeper with the Lord and grow spiritually. And today I've invited Annie Graham to share with us today. So you can come on up, Annie. Annie's part of our lead team, and she has also just finished her training as a spiritual director. And uh, it's always great to just hear some different voices. And Annie's going to share with us just her experience and uh, some of the vision for a practice on meditating on Scripture as practice of Lectio Divina. We're going to have a creative response where we're going to have some time for you to engage in this practice, and it's going to be modeled by some folks up here. I just wanted to, before we start... Uh, see if everyone got a bulletin today, because there's going to be a sheet that you need. And if you don't have one, when I step down, I will come bring one to you. You can just wave at me. So, uh, But I want to just pray for Annie, and we'll hand it, hand it over to her. So God, we thank you for Annie and the way that you have been working in her life. We pray a blessing over the words she shares. Give us receptive and open hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Annie. Amen. Awesome. So I'll bring these by if anyone needs one. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Phil. I wanted to say first off, I loved the illustration you gave a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Sabbath, and you described a monk, a desert father, who sat with his disciple alongside a stream and stirred up the muddy waters until you couldn't see them at all, and then they sat and they waited there for the waters to kind of settle. It reminded me of uh, something I did with my kiddos, maybe you guys have done this before, where we took a mason jar into the backyard, scooped up a shovel full of dirt, put it in the jar, filled it with water, put the lid on, shook it up so much that it was completely brown and murky and muddy, and then we set it on the kitchen counter, this muddy, muddy jar, <laughs> and we just watched and waited for all the water to clear and the dirt to settle on the bottom. And I was reminded of that this week as I was reflecting on contemplative prayer, meditating on the scripture, and this particular practice of Lectio Divina, because I find it really helps me settle the waters of my days when they feel cloudy with frustrations, disappointments, busyness, and anxieties. So would you join me real quickly in just a very short prayer as we get started? God. Thank you so much for the time to gather together today. Would you give us listening ears and open spirits that we might hear what you have for each one of us? Amen. So I'm really grateful to be here this morning uh, to talk a little bit about Lectio Divina. I know the middle schoolers and high schoolers have already done this with Jeff and Jacob, so you guys can kind of help us along as the congregation. And as we get started, I'm just going to share a little bit briefly about what Lectio Divina is, its history within the church, and then um, we're going to take most of our time towards the end, about 15 or 20 minutes, to actually engage in this practice together, um, mostly because I feel one of the best ways to learn about Lectio Divina is by actually doing it. Uh, so Lectio Divina, or you might also hear it called Lectio Divina, comes from a Latin phrase which means sacred reading. And it's not, contrary to the middle schoolers and high schoolers, it's not something that I grew up doing. And I would guess, for those of you familiar with the practice, it's something that might be more recent for you as well. I only heard about it maybe 10 years ago. Um, it's becoming more common 
and more popular. It's having a bit of a moment in contemporary church, but its roots actually go way far back into church history. Uh, there's a great book on Lectio Divina by two authors, Lucy Wincoop and Christine Walters Paintner, and they have compiled the history of this practice in the beginning of their book, and they kind of follow the thread back. They look 800 years ago, back to the 12th century, so right in the middle of when the Crusades are happening in Jerusalem, that time inside of, in kind of church history. Uh, far away from that, though, in Italy, there's a monk named Guigo II who wrote about Lectio Divina, and he described it uh, using an illustration of Jacob's Ladder. And he listed four steps in a process that you would move through just like going up rungs of a ladder. Going back further, 600 years before him, into the 6th century, St. Benedict wrote his Rule of St. Benedict, which became a handbook for all the Benedictine monks and nuns who continue to follow his practices today. And in this kind of handbook, he encourages the monks and the nuns to engage in Lectio Divina on a regular daily basis. And he coined this phrase, which gets often used to listen with the ear of your heart. So moving back even further in history, 400 years before that, in the second century, so before the Council of Nicaea, before the Nicene Creed that we pray on a regular basis, uh, the Church Father Origen is sort of the first one that we see write this phrase, Lectio Divina. He's kind of credited with, with kind of formalizing this as a practice. However, these two authors kind of take a broader look from there, and they look actually back into the Psalms and turn their attention to the Bible, and they particularly mention this Hebrew word, Haggah which we see in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, where it writes that those who meditate on the word of God day and night are blessed. And the word meditate that we have there is this Hebrew word, Hagah, which means to think about, to consider, to meditate. But in other contexts, it's also translated as to murmur or to mutter or to repeat over and over under your breath. And this idea of repeating words aloud led uh, Jewish rabbis and disciples to the practice in the synagogues of repeating the words of the Torah and the Jewish scriptures over and over again to themselves as a way to kind of instill the word of God in their hearts and in their minds. So that's like going way back millennia ago, 2,000 years ago, but what does Lectio Divina look like today? How does it actually work? So often in Lectio Divina, you'll have multiple movements or readings through a scripture. Traditionally, like I said, Guigo II, this monk in the 12th century, wrote about four movements. He called them read, meditate, pray, and contemplate. You'll often have a short pause or time of silence after each movement and then typically some space for reflection as well. In her work on group spiritual practices, I think it's important to note fellow covenanter Diana Shiflett writes about Lectio Divina, and she encourages us to remember that we're not necessarily stuck in sort of one tradition of doing things, that the point of spiritual practices is to draw us into deeper relationship with Christ. 
and that that intention gives us permission to keep adapting ways that we engage with the word of God so that it becomes fully alive in us. So just as we talk about the heart and the intention and sort of a broader structure about practices like Sabbath, we all engage in that practice in different ways. And in the same way, there's a spaciousness of how we engage in Lectio Divina. It's something you can do on your own or in a small group. You might share reflections out loud, or you might keep them quiet in the space of your own heart. It might be something you do in 15 or 20 minutes. You can easily stretch it to be 45 minutes or an hour if you want. So all of this kind of context and history had me wondering, like, what is it about this practice that has, we've, we've left a lot of things behind in church history, some of them rightfully so. Why is this practice kind of coming back? What is it about it that has caused it to have the staying power over the centuries of church history? I think a short, brief answer, like many of the practices that we're looking at in this series, is that it invites us into a deeper union with God. You know, I often get asked when I'm talking about Lectio Divina, but this sounds like just like reading the Bible or studying scripture or even having a space for Christian meditation. What's so different about it? I think there is a lot of overlap, just like with many spiritual practices. It's not like they're one distinct, separate thing, and there's only one way to do them. Uh, but I, to me, one key difference is that studying the scripture, reading the Bible, primarily focuses on using our mind to search for connections and insight that bring us to a point of reflection and understanding about who God is. Similarly, Christian meditation engages our minds and our bodies and invites us into a deeper silence and stillness, a deeper awareness of ourselves as God created us, and an empty cave sometimes where we can hear the still small whisper of God's voice, like we heard about with Elijah a few weeks ago. In contrast to both of those practices, I often find that Lectio Divina gives me the opportunity to move from my head to my heart. Wincoop and Walters Paintner write that Lectio Divina involves the whole person, heart, body, and spirit. And they say that knowing God in this way is an intimate, felt way of knowing. This integrated way of knowing God is what draws me back to this practice again and again. I'm humbled when I read familiar words of scripture and I find something new each day. I'm continually encouraged when I hear how God is working in my heart and also in the hearts of those with me. Not always, not every time, but often, in this time of reflection, I find a moment of clarity or deeper insight. One of the surprising things about that jar of muddy water that sat on our kitchen counter for a whole day was that as the dirt and the soil separated, they formed these clear and distinct layers in the jar 
First there was a layer of sand and gritty gravel on the bottom, then some sticky clay mud, and then little bits of leaves and twigs on top of that. And this really amazed me, because when we scooped up the dirt from the yard, it just looked like one sort of homogenous clump of soil. But as it had time to kind of sit and settle in the waters, I could see all that it was that much more clearly. I had a friend many years ago that we would meet together and we would talk about different ways to pray. And towards the end of our conversations, before we got to the end, she would always cut us off short and she would say, okay, okay, we can't just talk about prayer and not actually spend some time praying together. So let's pray. So in that spirit and in the words of her very beautiful wisdom, I want to shift us now into a time where we can practice a form of Lectio Divina together as a community. And I'll be honest, I'm usually not on a stage when I do this, and I've never done it with this many people before, but if you're willing to kind of give it a whirl with me this morning, I think it could be a very rich and fruitful way to make space for God's presence together. And most of all, I'm not doing this alone this morning. I have a few people who are willing to help me out. So Tammy, John, and Rachel, would you guys come on up and join me? So as they're coming up, I'll explain a little bit more about how this will work. Uh, we've selected a few verses from Isaiah chapter 55. As Phil said, you should have them on some papers by now. And there are also some pens in your pews and on the end of your pews. So go ahead and take a moment and uh, track down a pen for me, if you would. During our time together, we're going to read through this passage a total of three times. It's just a few verses long. You're welcome to follow along with the text there on your page. But if you're comfortable, I would encourage you to just listen and hear the words as they're read out loud. After each reading, I'm going to pause for about a minute of silence, and then there'll be time for reflection. The four of us are going to, up here are going to share our reflections, and while we do that, I would invite each of you to write down your reflections on the opposite side of that same piece of paper. And I'll explain this a little more at the end, but just so you know, we'll have a chance, a kind of a special opportunity in a unique way to share those reflections within our community when the practice is over. So we have about 15 to 20 minutes to work through this practice together. And I know that may feel challenging to be still and quiet, but I'd really encourage you to give it a try with an open mind, knowing, trusting, that there is absolutely no perfect way to do a practice. However, at the same time, we're a very large community, and we all come in different places and stages. So if you know yourself this morning and you think, I am not in a physical or emotional place to be still for this long, then please feel free to move quietly into the foyer or perhaps go for a walk along our prayer trail behind the building. So with that, I'm going to have a seat. And as I do so, 
I would invite all of you to find a comfortable place where you're sitting. Just let your body relax. Maybe take a deep breath in and out. You're welcome to close your eyes if you'd like to. As I read these words from Isaiah, just allow them to gently wash over you. And as they do, listen for just a single word or perhaps a short phrase that stands out. Or maybe it shimmers to you. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So as we pause, let your attention gently focus on that word that stood out to you. If your mind starts to wander to the phone call you had yesterday, or perhaps what you need to get at the grocery store later, that's okay. Just bring it gently back to that word or phrase. I'd invite you to write down on your paper the word or phrase that stood out to you.
And while you're doing that, I'll open it up for those of us up here to share, remembering that it's always an invitation and you're free to pass if you would choose to. I'll start us off and note that the word that stood out to me was waters. I was drawn to the word flourish and even the phrase bud and flourish. Mm -hmm. The word that stood out to me was come. It repeated a few times, but it caught my attention each time. For me, it was the uh, phrase, come to the water. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Again, I'd invite us to take a deep breath as we move into the second reading of this passage. As I read these words again, allow your attention to perhaps linger on that word or phrase from the first reading. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. You will delight in the richest of fare. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. As we pause, how does that word or phrase meet you where you are today?
again, I'd invite you to write down your response on your paper. And as we share, I'm, I was remembering with waters um, my garden and backyard that have gotten very dry the last couple weeks and how excited I was when the rain started to fall this week and it seemed like everything just began to green up. That's the image that stood out to me thinking about waters today. Um, as I thought about the word flourish, I, um, I find that it's very easy to get drawn into what the world thinks is important. But when I think about what God wants and what his purpose is, he wants me not just to get through the next day, but to flourish for my family, my community, the church. As I thought about the word come, I, um, I feel it's a it's a focus for me that I there's a when there's a lot going on in my life I can um, know that that's my part my part is to come and that's what that's the focus I need right now the phrase <clears throat> come to the water was very clear and as I sat in quiet meditation there came a um, an image in my mind of a pond that I was looking down at, and there was a sense that I, I would have to go down, I'd have to make movement to go to that, that pond, a body of water. But as I was looking at it, it was kind of, kind of brackish, kind of yucky, and I was kind of, hmm, and I wasn't really drawn to it. Then all of a sudden, another image came to my mind. It was a beautiful pond with grass around it, with the creek coming into it, and then water going out of it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh my word, we have a choice to make what water we go to. And it, it does require our movement, whether it's brackish water that will make us ill and not healthy for us, or we have a movement towards that which is the water of life. And that was a, just a, a powerful um, <clears throat> clarification as I sat in silence. That's a very powerful image and such a beautiful sense of coming to flourish with the waters of life. Thank you. Let's take a few minutes to read through Isaiah one final time together. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. You will delight in the richest of fare. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. 
so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Just as we read together that God's word does not return empty, we hold together that when we encounter scripture, we are not left the same, but are changed and renewed. In the word that stood out to you and how it meets you today, what do you sense God is calling you toward for tomorrow? Again, one final time, you're welcome to write down your response on your piece of paper. For me, the idea of refreshing, like you mentioned the waters of life, really stood out to me this time. And I noticed a desire in myself and an invitation from God to carve out more space for those refreshing waters of life to flow through me in my days. I think I just have this image of budding and flourishing. Um, one of my favorite flowers is a peony, and I just love the bud that it forms. It's this almost perfect round ball, and then it just opens up. And um, I think that when I think of the word flourish, that that's what I think for me and for, for everybody. Um, yeah, that's just the image that I had. Um, as I sat with um, Come and thought about the future, I feel like God's invitation is to come and um, go on an adventure with him. And he's going to do all these amazing things, and I get to be there and watch and see it unfold and adventure with him. He's going to do the full circle stuff that he's talking about here, and it's exciting. As I was thinking, reflecting upon this, I know for myself, uh, it's really important for me to start my day in some time of silence and meditation, God's word. 
and the, this come to the water and that image of that pond that was so beautiful and life-giving with the green grass around it, it was God was saying like, yeah, that's is really important, John, to come to me each morning and to fully drink from my water. Why do you want to run through the day dehydrated? So that's a really clear uh, image for me. Why do I choose to be de dehydrated and not sit at that well at the beginning of the day and to fully drink from his water, living water, to live the, each day out? Thank you all. That's such a lovely, gentle, exciting invitation. It makes me feel full of excitement to imagine a peony abutting the sense of adventure we are with God and knowing that God calls us to be fully hydrated, full of the waters of life as we go about a day. It feels like that space of generosity that Pastor Phil talked about a few weeks ago. The world is so hungry to be with generous people. Let me go ahead and close our time together with a brief prayer. Father God, thank you that you call us to come. You invite us to flourish, to go on an adventure with you, and that you give us waters of life. You give us all that we need for our journey. Give us the courage to take the steps of faith that you're inviting us toward. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for your help so much this morning. And thank you all for your willing participation. I know it's a little bit of a different format, um, but it really blessed my heart this morning. Uh, as I mentioned before, you're welcome to keep your reflections if you'd like to hold on to them. Um, if you'd like to share them with our community, which I find to be such a beautiful way to be encouraged and to encourage the others who are on this journey. Um, we have kind of a unique, special way to do that this morning. In a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating communion up here. And as we do that, um, there's no obligation, but you're invited to bring your reflections forward and leave them on one of the front pews here. And afterwards, Sarah Lane has generously offered to collect all of the reflections that are shared. Um, you'll notice, importantly, there's no space for a name on your paper, so everything that's shared is done so anonymously. But she's going to compile the words that are in those and turn them into some beautiful word art images for our art wall, hopefully, in a few weeks. Um, so thank you all again. I hope that you found this to be a small sense of encouragement this morning, and with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Phil. All right. Thank you, Annie, for leading, and thanks to our participants uh, stepping into that place vulnerably today.